Salutations, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Charles Anthony Cabrera Podcast. I am him. That is I, Charles Anthony Cabrera. Happy February. It is February 2nd, 2022. It is 2-2 on the 2-2. So it, let's get a little cuckoo on the choo-choo tonight. Let's have a little fun. Anyway, um, that was a little corny, but I just had to say it because I like it. And I felt that it was good. I like the way it sounds. Cuckoo on the choo-choo, on the 2-2, on the 2-2. So anyway, let's get into this doodle. Um, I went to this restaurant. Um, well, I go to this restaurant every Tuesday. I try to go every Tuesday because my friends meet meet up there every week. Um, Saluji's East, and I'm talking about it because I just wolfed down shrimp parmesan, and I feel like I'm gonna burp at any minute. But if I do, <clears throat> sorry, we're human. Um, <laughs> oh, that was good. I had a, a shrimp, um, it's called the Saluji Parmesan Dinner, and with, I had it with shrimp, and the pasta was linguine, so anyway, they, you know how they, you know, they bread up the, you know, the shrimp parm, and the cheese, and whatnot, and that's all little thing to it, and then they had the pasta, had the linguine, and had the sauce, and everything like that, so then, on top of it, it was like these blobs of cheese, and then when you cut into the cheese, it just like goops and slides everywhere. Oh my god, it's amazing! It's just a beautiful thing. Uh, I also had the shrimp parmesan hero, which I usually get. Um, always a delight. I usually get those two to go um, because the, the hero ends up being a snack, and then I ha- I'll have you know he we eat it for breakfast after I have my wake and bake um, in, in the morning, so. Not too good. And then I, but I know when I'm there, I'll have like the pink pizza and about three or four drinks, like usually Jameson and Coke, or it's three frosés. And then I'm like, okay, I'm tanked. I gotta go. And then I'm like navigating my way home. It's like you're fighting, like with a stick, and like you're nav- you're fighting crime, crime. You're you're crime. You're being a crime fighter. There you go. As you're trying to navigate from Manhattan back to Brooklyn, because at that time. Like leaving there sometimes it's like it'd be in between nine and ten o'clock at night. And yes, that's early to some, but it's late to me because the sun goes down at five o'clock. And it's like, um, the sun has been down for quite some time. And I'm just that guy that prefers to be home by nine. Like I should be in bed by nine. Like just chill you should be relaxed by like nine PM. And like, you know, Unless you're that person that works in the evening like that. But I think if you're a day person, whatever, wind down at six o'clock. Like, do that. It's normal. So, but I do have those nights when I come outside and I want to be a little wild and I'll stay out till about 10 30, 11. <sighs> Sometimes I'll be out till three. Catch me on a good day. But it's like, you know, because it's a lot of homeless people out in these streets and they have a lot of mental problems and they are come they they'll chase you they'll push you on the tracks they'll blow whatever that whatever they're smoking they'll blow it in your face and it's just like you got to get out of that and i you know sometimes i do take the uber home but then sometimes i cut this up to you and i'm like okay i'm not even that wasted that i can get on the subway and i can knock a person out if you know they come after me so you know i just go for i just you know Cross my fingers, pray to God, and I'm like, oh my God, just get me home safe. Um, another restaurant I would like to talk about really quick is the Brooklyn Chop House. Now, this is near City Hall, and I have to say, as much as I'm around that area, 
I have never seen this until I actually went to this restaurant. And I didn't, now that I look at it, and when I walked to it, I was like, this isn't a cut. And it's, there's many entrances and exits of the Brooklyn Bridge City Hall train station. You have the JMZ side, JZ side, so there's no M anymore, that goes to Chambers. And then you have the 456 on the other side, but then like, you'll have one that is kind of close to each other. And I don't know, it's just weird. You'll have one that you'll get out and you're by the old Murray Bertram, and then you'll have one nearby, you're in the park, and then you'll have another one, you're about to walk the bridge. Um, yeah, because it's like an entrance. As soon as you come out the train station, yeah, you you can literally like walk on, walk along the Brooklyn Bridge right from there. Then you have the one by Center Street, so it's alive. Now I'm just saying I've never, never seen it. But anyway, um, I'm glad I did. I'm. It was a great experience. Um, we'll start off with the drinks because that's what I had first. Um, I got there a little late because my friends they had like drinks already, so I you know I had to play catch up, which. We didn't have to, but because you know the way I drink, like the wine just kept coming. So anyway, um, so we, you know, we, had, oh my god, so I had these drinks and um, the, the wine was really good. I had a sincere. I found out that Mary J. Blige, I know she had a, a wine line out, but what I did not know is how many that she had. So, but I'll try it the next time I go there, which is going to be very soon. But it's just going to be. You know, just going to the bar and probably having like a snack or something. But, um, cause to have dinner there, you have to be prepared to, you know, come out your pocket a little bit. Um, yeah. But the food was really great. I don't think I would have had the appetizers because I realized I can't eat the way everybody else eats. Like appetizers, the main course, and then dessert. Like, just give me the main course and some wine, and I'm out. Like, <laughs> I can't do. I realize I can't do that because I'm full off of the first appetizer, and then I'm picking at my food, and it's like, and then I have all this food to take home, and I'm like, yeah. Sometimes you want to take food home because you don't want to cook the next day, but it's like, and I gotta carry this because what if I want to go out, and what if the night is still going, and now. We done spent, you know, between the four of us, you know, it was a thousand dollars. And, you know, thank God we all went straight home. But what if we had to go somewhere? What if we went somewhere else and the food wasn't allowed? And now I'm like, okay, pissed. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, you know, you just got to prepare yourself. So, but I did enjoy it. The spring rolls were good. It was like these, then it was like these Pac Man seafood dumplings. It was cute, but it was basically a sh- like I think a shrimp shaped as a Pac-Man, and the dumplings were full of food coloring. But it it was still pretty good. Do I recommend this place to people? Absolutely, I because I definitely want to go back. And but like I said, I just want to be like sit at the bar and drink because the bar looked pretty lit, and the the eye candy looked amazing and like it was just you know gorgeous guys gorgeous girls and the staff was good looking too so it's like you know why not take my fine ass up in there and you know mingle with some of these people i'm not looking for nobody because i have somebody but i'm just saying <laughs> check it out y'all salugis at brooklyn chop Tops. so i just realized a couple of days ago that it's been about a good 13 months since I took on, I've added music producers to my resume. 
And I will say it's been the most emotional, therapeutic, traumatizing, gut-wrenching, mind-boggling, exciting thing I have ever done in my life. And I am thankful that I have done this. I am happy with what I've accomplished. I am happy where things are going. I like to do things the way I want to do it. So, which is cool because I get to produce for myself and other artists now. I am still an artist working with other people. I like, I perform in a band. So, I'm still a part of that. But it's like, hey, when we are not doing that, <laughs> I have something to fall back on and not just an acting project that, you know, you go into the auditions and stuff like that and something you might get something maybe twice, three, three times a year. So, but when we're performing, like I said, I want to have something musically inclined that I can actually do because it's like, hey, I am a musician. Let me have. I want. I want a solo piece. I don't just want to be like a backup singer or, the you know the third member or something like that. Or the, you know, you know. So, um, let me just tell you a little backstory about because I want to just get this out. I might. I mentioned it like I wrote about it in stories, but to talk about it like in depth, like um, like this is really good. So. Back in the days, I wanted to always be a performer and, you know, always wanted to be some kind of actor or singer, but I was always kind of shy, but I would, and then I would have the moments when it comes out and I would just do it. And then I would just disappear for a while, not think about it for a while. And then I'll do it again and then, you know, come out and like, so it takes a while for me, you know, but now as a producer, I'm like putting stuff out and I'm, and I'm proud of it. I'm happy. So Anyway, I would do talent shows and stuff like that, and we perform, and we would win prizes and stuff like that, which is really cool. And then I like went through a thing where I just wasn't doing much, and I was just like partying all the time. So I think I was you know college and shit like that, and then I was like coming, you know, growing up and whatnot. I guess getting everything out of my system before I actually can go back and do something like you know, because you gotta you know play around for a while, you know what I mean? So and that's what I did. <laughs> I lolly gagged, and but I was still doing stuff. So it just wasn't, it was just like, okay, when something, when opportunity came along, I was like going for the opportunities, like I am going for them now. So, uh, yeah, you know, we did talent shows and stuff like that. And then at one point I was actually in a group and it was three of us, two other guys. And I remember (laughs) that I thought that the both of them can sing really well. And I was like, okay, I have an okay voice. Like I was the one that could carry a tune. But when we got in the studio, it was completely different. And uh, <laughs> I never forget the guy, he wrote the song, one of the group members, he wrote the song and he was like, and it's, you know, explaining like how he wants it to be sung and, you know, he wants to sing the lead. So we all got in the studio, kind of find out who's at the lead, me. And I'm like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, like, and it, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it felt fucking good. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, so they, I'm, I'm the lead vocalist on this song, and it was three songs that we did because we had to do. It was back then. It was like the early 2000s, and you know, people still doing demos, and it was like, you still trying to get a record deal. So now it's like you can do everything independent like what we're doing now, like like I'm independent and, you know, getting my shit out there. So, which is great. But anyway, we, um, we, we, we recorded these songs and he had a separate manager than us, the other two, us two guys. So, 
And the thing is that we were all friends. But this business, when it came to the business, we were not friends at all, clearly. Um, and that's what I learned about, you know, that side. And it kind of discouraged me a little bit. But um, they was he, you know, was upset that he, on one of the songs, I sung the whole entire lead. And, you know, they and, and the other guy sung the second verse. And he just sang the chorus. But the other songs that he did, he's on there. But I guess this was his favorite song. And he was just like, wait a minute. This is a song I really like. And I want to do this. But they put somebody else on here. And, you know, there, was never, there wasn't any, like, arguing or anything like that. But he did express how he felt. And I was just like, well, I'm sorry. I didn't do anything. I said, this is what they wanted. You know? And, but... Long story short, his manager pulled him out of the group, and next you know, it, we it was just two of us, and we was like, okay, we were looking like two LW. At, <laughs> who we trying to be like? I don't know who were we trying to be like. We were trying to be like a male version of somebody. I wanted to be like a male version of Total, but it wasn't happening because Total was already like broken up at the time, but um. We were like really trying to be like another group because it was like groups were like fading out, but it was like we had something and we did. We genuinely had genuinely had something and it was just like something so dope. Like everybody's sound was completely different. And I'm looking back at it now. This was maybe 20 years ago. So we probably would have had about a good three, four albums, I think, you know, looking at it the way it could happen. But he was not happy with how the guys, the producers did in the studio. And I was just like, damn. So, but, you know, we all worked, we still worked together and it was nothing. We, um, now we laugh at it now and talk about it. One of the guys, the guy who wrote this, you know, original guy who wrote all the music and stuff, we haven't heard from him, but I hope he's doing well, you know. Hopefully he's doing something with music. I hope that he never gave up because he was really talented and he can dance. So he had that. While we were like, I had three left feet. The other guy, he can sing, but he had more of a, a, a church kind of vibe. So I don't know. But it, it, I, I always wondered what would have happened if we would have. I, I'm not. I can't name names because I don't want to. You know, they might catch attitudes and stuff like that. You don't want to be like, oh my god. But I think y'all know who I'm talking about. Because your friends were listening, they know who I'm talking about. So um, then I decided to just like focus on acting and stuff like that, and just like writing and stuff like that. So I did that and came along and. Um, I actually got noticed again by a very good friend. Her name is Tony Steeles, and she actually has music out right now. She's really, really talented hip hop artist, and she um, was like, "Yo, you can sing. We should work together." And I'm like, "Huh? What?" Because <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, why not?" And I'm like, "Mm-hmm." I was just like, "Okay, whatever." You know, not you know, just like, "Okay." And then I'm like, wait, you actually, <laughs> I was like, well, you're a rapper. <laughs> I said, really, me? Why? And she's like, no, you can really sing. You're really, you know, you sound good. And this, that, and the other. And I was like, okay. She said, well, think about it. I'm like, so, you know, we working together, you know, at this um, 
salon and i'm like okay <laughs> not thinking about it because like weeks later she said so you ready to um, perform me and i was like she's like, i'm having a show that's coming up and i was like i i couldn't say no but i wanted to do it well at the same time i wanted to say no because i'm like oh my god what am i going to get myself into i'm scared but I actually did it, and I, you know, it's been an amazing ride. Now, this has been an amazing ride ever since. Um, the first show, I will say, was a freaking nightmare. Like, it was, it was a great show, but I was so scared, and my friends were there, and I, like, you could tell I was just nervous. My voice was, like, wobbly, but I still did good. But you could just tell I was a little nervous because as time went on, as the shows went on, I definitely loosened up. Um, I want to say my favorite show was at the Desmond Tavern and we like you know there was a, a segment when um verse came out he did his song and we did like a two-step behind him and we were all like it was amazing so I do enjoy all of that performing with them and everything so now we get to a point where we're all doing all this stuff and we're acting. We're acting together. We did Vishmeric together. We did Traffic Lane. Um, I did a project after midnight. Uh, and then been going on a couple of like quote reads and other auditions and stuff like that. And it's been quite enjoyable. But I really fell in love with producing. It was crazy because I being locked down in the house. Uh, I looked at all the stuff that I had and was like, okay, okay, I have equipment. <laughs> let me let me make some use of this. And I discovered like how, what half of the stuff was. I went online and I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos on how to produce certain songs and watch, watching these master classes. And then I reached out to a few friends. I didn't reach out to the ones I was performing with because this was something personal that I wanted to do and be like, okay, look, I want to let me catch up to y'all. So I'm still playing catch up, but they know now because the music is out and, you know, it's available. So, and I've shared it and stuff like that, and they've definitely been supportive now. So, but I just wanted to be like, oh my God, this is something I wanted to do because when we took a hiatus, we were supposed to start working on our own projects and stuff like that and finding the songs that we wanted to do and listen to the music. But I... Ended up going through some stuff mentally, and I went a little went a little crazy and had some emotional issues and stuff like that. But I'm not there anymore, so I'm picking. I'm skating all around this thing because I'm trying. I'm like it's it's a lot. So uh, yeah, so we in lockdown. So we you know I'm creating all this stuff and I'm learning how to do this. And I gotta say the first couple of stuff I was like, yeah. but then when I got to slaughter, I was like, yo. Your boy is nice. But now, and I was like, okay, so let me see what else I could do. Then I came up with Feel the Funk. That's another track that's on the album that's really good. That's actually my biggest, the biggest like song on the album. Like it's got the most streams. And I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks. So that's when I figured out I'm gonna stick around the funk, funk disco house kind of thing, because that's where I am. So I'll, I had to figure myself out as an artist. I love being a producer. So I'm at this place. Where I want to, I'm working on this album as Charles the artist, not Charles the producer. And I have my friend James, who has been the most amazing 
supportive, creative force that's been working with me, him and his nephew, Alexander. And now we're, we formed a production company, Shroomtown Productions. He, James already has his production company, but we're all working together. And it's really cool. So stay tuned for some new music coming soon. I actually have an artist that I'm going to be working with. I'm excited to that she trusts me to work with her along with my two homeboys who want to be a duo, a rap duo. And they was like, hey, can you produce a couple of beats for us? And this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I'm learning how to do this. And they said, and we're learning, so why don't we learn together? And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I appreciate that. So in the meantime, Complex Compositions is available on all music platforms, along with the single Riding. That's a hip-hop single. It's a tribute, instrumental tribute to 90s West Coast. Um, vibe and then there's right here that's as I'm learning how to incorporate jazz disco and house all into one and I think I did okay and it has an extended remix so I would greatly appreciate it if you check that out thank you for listening to me ramble about this lit to part of my life because this is what I'm sharing with you all and I want you to support my music and thank you all who for those friends and listeners that have been supporting me because it is greatly appreciated like I said, I'm working on a new album, but I don't know when it's coming out. Um, there will be a single probably dropping out in a couple of months. We never know. There might be a video. We never know, but there's going to be something. All right, so stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Okay, so on tonight's episode, we are talking about Hollywood feuds. The best feud ever was the most legendary feud um, between two Hollywood actresses of the golden era, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Now, when we hear Joan Crawford, y'all always be like, no more wire hangers, but no, 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 no. She was an Academy Award-winning actress. She ran Pepsi-Cola. She adopted five children and like gave them a good life. Like, despite of what you hear about the Bobby Davis thing, come on now. Um, she flipped it every time. She reinvented herself each time she stayed on trend all the time she was an icon she's legendary she has some of the best quotes ever like i mean come on she taught a lot of people how to keep your homes perfect and how to dress so thank you miss crawford thank you wait that mommy dare stuff that ain't cool so anyway about this feud a lot of people think that this feud with her and betty davis started around 1962 when they did whatever happened to baby jane but there's a lot of things that this feud could have started way before or it could have started during or it could have started after so let's just break it down and we're going to talk about a few things that might have happened before so in 1933 betty davis was coming out with a movie titled x lady from warner brothers and they were going to beef this they were gonna the publicity team was gonna go nuts and they were gonna go ham and they were like this is her movie betty davis has been at warner brothers since night you know she's been there but she's been making movies in hollywood since 1930 all of her movies have been flopping they've been disastrous they've been just uh, just pitiful while joan crawford came into the game in 1925 she blew up she's already like you know the talkies she has success she's doing well her movies are making a good coin so 
they you know beefing up this movie for Davis and you know things about to happen now something happens with Joan Joan divorces Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and they were the biggest Hollywood couple at the time outside of maybe Doug Fairbanks Sr. and um this this um this woman oh my gosh Pickford Mary Pickford so sorry about that guys um so that was big so they get a divorce so the you know the publicity and the gossips and the tabloids they're like uh yeah so we're going to you know we're, we're, we're this is we're going to eat this up so they gave i guess they gave betty davis a little section of talking about the movie or whatever the move in you know the movie flopped it, it tanked and um i guess you know she kind of got mad at joan because you know this happened and after a week of bad ticket sales <laughs> i would be too so that could have been it also there could have been a moment in 1935 when Betty was working with Joan's boyfriend at the time Franco Tone they were doing a movie titled Dangerous Betty fell in love with this man professionally mentally physically like she was into him and you know he is a good looking guy and like you know I don't know but you know he was in love with Joan Crawford they met you know a couple of you know a couple of years prior I'm gonna say probably Dancing Lady, maybe it was that film because that was right after she divorced um, Doug, Doug Jr. So could have been around that time. So they've been dating, and um, yeah. So Betty, I guess you know she was feeling him, and I guess Joan was like, "Oh nah, 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 nah." nah. So let me, you know, let, let me make this clear. That is my man, and this, that, and the other. So she would show up to the set, and you know, his lunch breaks or whatever. And I guess you know they was having little sessions and whatnot in the dressing room and whatnot. And he would come out with lipstick all over him, and this, that, you know, piss Betty off. And she, you know, Betty admitted that she was jealous of this or whatever. But um, hey, it, it you know it wasn't thing. Then she, you know, they got engaged and they got married. But I think Betty struck back and Betty won because Betty won the Oscar for the movie Dangerous. Now, she might not have won, you know, an Oscar for the movie. You know, Joan might not have got the Oscar, but she got the man. But here's the thing. The Oscar lasts forever. The man won't. And this relationship did not last. So in the end, I don't know. But she even says later on in years and in interviews that she was like, Joan took him from me. And I'm like, damn, but you got the Oscar, but she feels that Joan still had, you know, managed to upstage her. And then Joan played her at the Oscars and was like, um, <laughs> okay, when you see the dress that Betty Davis wore, I, you know, it's to the, an Oscar event, but... Betty had her reservations on why she wore it in this, that, and the other. So, um, <laughs> I guess Franchot was like, say something nice to Betty or whatever. She was like, yeah, what a lovely frock you're wearing. Like, it's called a frock. 
and she said it with a sneer. And I guess you know, because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna diss my outfit. You're gonna talk crap about me. So <laughs> let's keep this going. So now it's the 1940s. Um, Joan had a period of a, she had a box office poison moment, and like her movies weren't making money. They were, you know, they were hyping it up, but they weren't making the money that it should have been. And you know, she was slipping, and Betty's career was going up. So I guess there might have been that, you know, that low key competition there. But then by 1943, they're working at the same studio, Warner Brothers, and. Um, Joan has sent gifts and flowers, I guess, to be, you know, friendly to Betty, but Betty sent them back. Okay, I'll be pissed. <laughs> you gonna piss? I'm trying to be nice to you, and here you are. You know, I'm sending you flowers and sending you gifts and you send it back. Whatever, I don't know if there was a motive or anything or whatever, but maybe she had an admiration for her. You, you know, they, she did say that she respected Betty, and this, that, and the other. So, I don't know. So now, 1945 runs around. And, you know, Betty is, you know, she's in charge. She's the queen of the lot. She's running things. You know, so she can refuse and, you know, accept any kind of film role that she wants and not go on suspension. So, um, Mildred Pierce comes along. Betty didn't want it. But Michael Curtiz wanted Barbara Stanwyck. He he didn't want anything to do to do with Joan Crawford. He was like, you know, she's Hollywood. She's a movie star. She don't know nothing. She's nothing but shoulder pads and makeup and this that and the other. So she goes to audition and she gets the part. She wins him over. Uh, he falls in love with her. He works with her a few more times afterwards. Um, so and she wins the Oscar for it. So which she won and she accepted that in bed. She was just like, I am not coming. She worried that she had a fever and she was just like, I ain't coming or whatever. But she was nervous or whatever. So um she won that um Oscar and that might have been like, Hey, Betty Betty got upset about it. I turned this down and because at this time a lot of Betty's movies weren't even making any kind of noise. They were still doing something, but after I think from between now Voyager and The Corners Green, I wanna say, like between those films, like there was I don't old acquaintance, yes. Um but there was a few that I've I've watched recently, like Mr. Skeffington and Standing Other, and I was just like, okay, but I could see Jones movies. Why they did, why they, what they did, um, human rights and possessed and all that. That was another one that Betty Davis turned down. She turned down possessed, and Jones got the. She was nominated for the Academy Award, but she didn't get it. But um, that then they get to maybe I want to say nineteen. It's like nineteen fifty-two. After, you know, Joan leaves Warner Brothers. I mean, yeah, Joan leaves Warner Brothers. Betty has been long gone because she did that that tragic film, Beyond the Forest. Um, oh my gosh. That was... Mm, 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 mm. What a dump. That's that's what the movie was. It was a dump. So, um, <laughs> that's one of the famous lines from the movie. But, yeah, she um, 
came back doing uh all about eve and that got a slew of academy award nominations um she didn't win because they had her and am baxter you know going up for the um best actress award which didn't make any sense because you have two actors in the same movie going for the same for the same award uh it, it just didn't work and then i think and it went to um somebody i want to say probably judy holiday i'm thinking i'm hoping i'm right because i'm i'm just talking as i go along so um that happened so now this 1952 and joan um is done with warners and but betty does this movie written by um catherine albert who had a falling out with joan now this is what this is how they they had this falling out Joan was Catherine Albert's daughter's godmother. And around this time, I guess Joan, the girl, the daughter was dating someone. And um, <laughs> and Joan felt that she was just like, okay, you want to marry this guy? You, you, you know, you're in love with him. Why don't y'all get married? And you could get, y'all can get married in my house. But guess what? She didn't tell the mother and the father. <laughs> so I guess, yo, that set them off. So, <laughs> guess, you know, I would be pissed too. So, you do some shit like that. So, I guess she wrote this movie, and they're saying that it was about a fading movie star trying to, you know, desperately trying to cling on, you know, cling to her career and everything like that. And they were saying that Joan was like this. And, Betty played this part, and um, everybody said it was about Joan. And I guess Joan, you know, got into her feelings about it, and you know, that set her off again. So now they're doing a string of Betty's doing television in the 1950s. Joan is still is doing, you know, Queen Bee. She did Female on the Beach. She, oh my God, Autumn Leaves. So she's still doing like a really a string of good decent movies well i guess betty even put out an ad <laughs> was like willing to work okay mother of three looking for a job blah 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 blah, blah, blah in hollywood such and such and such and such so there you have that so now we get to 1962 and in 1962 they're doing whatever happened to baby jane and now they're working together and i guess the publicity people and the gossipers were like okay let's ignite something let's start something let's you know do this now they're both making a comeback because they both of their careers are like you know not they're not elizabeth, elizabeth taylor and they're not who, who's big Marilyn Monroe you know what I mean so they weren't them so now these are like they're older now so now they're getting into these roles and but they want to make a comeback because they're like okay we are legends and they need to make women's pictures and this is what we are and this is what we do so they wanted to you know keep that maintain that so <laughs> there was a rumor that some they started saying that John was like Betty Davis stink and then Betty said some stuff. Joan said some stuff. Now they started doing things to each other. Apparently, Joan added weights to her body. So when Joan had, when Betty had to like drag her out the bed, 
Betty's back went out and she ended up in the hospital. And then there was rumors that there was a scene where Betty was kicking um, Joan Crawford in the head and they was like, yo, she actually kicked in the head and she had to get stitches. So, I don't know. They, so it was just a bunch of torment. And then she was talking, Betty was talking about Joan had fake, she had wore falsies. So she was like, every time she had to land on her chest, cut, she would hurt because of her false titties and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. With these, it, 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 it's fun. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to read about. It's hilarious because it's like, okay, these are some older women and you're like, oh my goodness. But carry on, y'all. There was so much shade going on. It was, it's crazy. Uh, so now, as you know, as you know, time goes on, Betty gets nominated for whatever happened to Baby Jane. Joan doesn't. Joan Crawford is like, hey, if whoever wins, I'll accept this movie on their behalf. <laughs> um, Anne Bancroft wins the award for the Miracle Worker. And I guess Joan Crawford was, I mean, Betty and Joan were in the wings waiting. And I guess Joan, Betty was expecting her name to come out. They said Anne Bancroft. Betty gagged. Joan was like, oh, yay. <laughs> and goes out into the um, to the stage and accepts this award on Anne's behalf. So, Joan won this. I don't, I don't know if she won, but I don't know how, how this, you know, if it's a win or a loss, but this thing happened and this could have definitely pissed, this definitely pissed Betty off. Because, I mean, we was in this movie together and you do this like this is not cool so i get it but at the same time shade um so now they are paired up because they want uh, they want them to they want to team these women back up together again so they do whatever happened to cousin charlotte that's what it was called first before olivia haviland d haviland joined the cast replacing joan so they start this picture whatever happened to cousin charlotte um, Betty installs a Coca-Cola machine. Joan works for Pepsi. Okay, pissing me off right there. So, she does that. Then, um, I guess anytime Joan was, you know, doing her lines and she was recording and she would, you know, just, you know, during the table reads and stuff like that, she was pissing Joan off and upsetting Joan and she was saying Joan was hurt. You know, Joan's feelings was hurt. Joan actually ended up going to the hospital a few times. You know, saying that she was sick and it caused delays on the set, and they threatened to sue her if she doesn't get it together. Eventually, they fired her, and she was replaced by Olivia Olivia De Havilland, and the movie was became Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. And you see, but even on the TV show, on the TV show Feud, how that went down, and it looks that was similar on what we read and. We look at documentaries and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Then throughout the 60s and 70s, they, you know, they, you know, they really, I watched interviews and they really didn't have nothing bad to say about each other. Like, they would just say, we worked together this one time. Blah, 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 blah. She's great. I think she's a great actress. But, it, you know, there was one interview when Betty was like, well, if you want me, to, if you want to hear what you really want to hear, we could talk afterwards. So, I guess she wasn't going to do that 
in front of the fans and stuff like that because you know they are they were respectable individuals but you know they did have you know their little shady comments so um that happened so in 1977 Joan Crawford passed away um and there was a rumor that Betty Davis said that um well you know you don't say nothing you only say good things about the dead Joan Crawford is dead so good but she never said that that was a rumor so um we should you gotta nix that because that wasn't true um so now the daughter Christina Crawford Joan's daughter I'm like the daughter uh, writes a a scathing nasty tell-all about you know how she grew up you know with Joan you know being a Hollywood kid and this that and the other and it was you know cited child abuse you had a few stars that defended the book then you had some that spoke out against the book like a lot of the Hollywood legends like Myrna Loy I else was there there was a few other people they was like saying that this never happened then you have people like Helen Hayes and I said it did and um shockingly Betty spoke out and was like Joan shouldn't have you know Christina shouldn't have did this she was like she was not Joan Crawford's biggest fan but wise cracks to the contrary she did and she still does respect her talent but she did not deserve that detestable book by her daughter. Especially, like, you know, to someone that saved you from the orphanage and foster homes and whatever. You don't, you just don't do that. It, it was just like, it wasn't cool. And then later on, you know, Christina even admitted that she <laughs> exaggerated and fabricated some of this stuff. So, I don't know. Like, it just it wasn't cool. So, but a few years later, in 1985... Betty Davis's daughter, B.D. Hyman, she wrote a book about her mother and my mother's keeper. And this book was yikes. I, now this is, okay, your mom is still alive. And you basically just, you know, showed your mother as an abusive alcoholic, um, selfish, just like, just crazy. Like you showed her and made her look like this I don't know they just made Christina and BD made their daughters I mean their moms look so bad and so crazy and it's like but we don't know what really goes on behind the scenes because yet we're not in Hollywood with them and this was at a time this was in the you know 60s and 70s we weren't even born yet and you know so I don't know like I don't know Betty Davis even said this was more you know, that book was more catastrophic than her having a stroke. But, you know, Betty Davis, you know, she came back at her daughter and said what she said in her book at the end, this and that. So, hey, I don't know. But this was a great, great thing to talk about really quick and briefly. Like, this is something that excited me. I was always fascinated by these two women. Um, the beef, though, I was just like, damn. But now you see why. So, I don't know. Hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about this. Who's next? I think we should do Betty Davis and Miriam Hopkins. Ooh, or Olivia de Havilland and Joan Fontaine, the two sisters. I don't know. Let's talk about it. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line in Chaz period on my Instagram.
or on my website, chastpreview.com. Anyway, it was great. Talk to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me at Chaz Period to send any feedback, questions, comments, or concerns. If you have the Anchor app, you can feel free to drop a voice message. I will likely play it on an upcoming episode. Also, you can visit me at chazperiod.com and it will direct you to everything you need to know. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week on another episode.